Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. We are your morning show for any hour. I'm Mary Catherine Ham, your host. I'm here, as always, with my co-host and buddy, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are we doing this morning, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I am doing, I'm hanging in there. I've got, because I know our listeners really care about this, I have like two more things I have to take care of in my mouth, right? So I've got to get an implant. <laughs> And then I go in for a checkup, just for the regular dental checkup. And then the dentist is like, oh, what's this we have here? Oh, back on another tooth. It looks like you got some sort of an abscess or an infection back there. The root canal is failing. You're going to have to see an endodontist. I'm seeing all the dontists. Yeah. So go to the endodontist. He's like, yeah, you know, it's good that it doesn't hurt. But uh, I'd say in the next month or two, you're going to have to get that tooth removed. By the end of this, you're going to show up with braces one day and like one of those spacers. No, I, yeah, no, I'm like, it's, I'm I'm like Asian deliverance. I'm just like all these, I'm just like losing all these teeth. This is crazy. And the worst part was the dentist saying to me, other than that, you look great. Your teeth look great. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. Other than that. So that's what I'm dealing with. Mary Catherine, what's going on with you? I'm doing all right. I don't mean to brag, but I do have the, the family... The family teeth on my side of the family are impervious. Now they're, they're formidable. They're, they're formidable. large. They are large and crooked. So there was a lot of orthodontics work. But once you get past that, you're pretty. You're pretty good. I think I got my first cavity at about forty-one. Wow. Yeah. So there are some people like you. Sunny Bunch is another one who apparently the people who just don't get cavities. Yeah, I, I think had it's just a, a difference in the the. The kind of teeth you got is genetic. Yeah, I, I, I guess mine were it's bad genes. I had, a, as a child, I think I had like seven, eight cavities with baby teeth because I refused to brush. Well, and then that, I, can, you know, you, that can be a you, problem. It can. And then you, I, you, I try to keep it a secret until it's so excruciating <laughs> that like, okay, well, your teeth are gone now. I do love fun. the visits to the dentist with your children where they're like, okay, so when you floss your children's teeth, <laughs> that's very funny, sir. <laughs> Nobody's flossing until like 20. That's what you want to tell them. That was, I did find that that was one of the more challenging things about parenthood when I realized I was in charge of three different people's teeth. Uh, yeah. And now, you know, I have four kids. So one of them's toothless. So that's good. He's just starting out. But the, the other three, you know, those are teeth that I have to be semi, at least semi responsible for. And uh, so do you, it do weighs you, on me. Do you actually floss their teeth? I do. I do have those little things. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll make it right before we go to the dentist. But I do have those little devices that have the the floss already, you know, strung on them, which I think Uh is important. And I I will give them those, which I feel like is a move in the right direction. Do they use them? Probably not. And do I do it? No, not really. As a kid, I remember like, oh, I got to go to the dentist for the first time in a year. I better floss. And and you know, they could tell. You know why? Because the floss is blood all over the place. Of course, of course. My my dentist, by the way, I hope they don't listen to the podcast. They're going to fact check me the next time I go in. Anyway, okay. I'm okay. Speaking of parenting, I, I do think that three weeks might, I haven't charted this before, but I think three weeks might be the time when the broken sleep like kicks in and you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm for the baby. Am I dying? <laughs> but, you know, we're making it, trying to make it look good out here That's with this semi-functioning brain. That's good. You're talking about your baby's sleep, not yes. your sleep. Well, oh, no, yeah. I mean, but mine has to be interrupted because his is interrupted. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think he's just, you know, I think he's growing and he's hungry and he needs to eat pretty frequently. So. Yes, he was, he was, he was up and about in our last recording. Yeah, wide eyed. He's just, uh, he's a much, he's a skinnier baby than my other babies. He's so long. He's yes. so long, and I just gotta like filling that with food is just just takes a while. The extra weight. <laughs> Keeps babies like more chill when they're yes. thinner than they're, they, they got a lot more to complain about. Now, yeah. when the baby wakes up in the middle of the night, do you both wake up, you and Steve, or just you? Uh, and does Steve sleep through it? Also, do you believe Steve is actually sleeping through it? Oh, I, yeah, no, he can definitely sleep through it, which I don't mind. Like, I'm the one who, yeah, like, has the yeah. goods here. And he can definitely sleep through it. He volunteered last night to take a feeding because the baby will take formula and will take a bottle. So we might try to, Get yes. one in the middle of the night so that I can get a little bit more sure. sleep. So that's nice. But can yeah, you? Well, all... I hate to ask a technical question mm-hmm. here, but you can also freeze your own, right? Yes, no. but I am so lazy about pumping that there's just never any extra. Like, do, do you? I'm do never you going remember, to do that. 
Okay. Well, do you remember Nora O'Donnell at mm-hmm. CBS? She did that. She it was written about in 2008. She was in Denver for the Democratic National Convention, but her baby was back in D.C. Ah. So she sent her assistant with her milk back across the country did to she, deliver the milk. Okay. Did she make it? Because sometimes the TSA will be real jerks. About yeah, I, I guess I guess she did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am real lazy about pumping. And I admire anybody who does it regularly. I refuse to do so. And every time I have a baby, I dutifully order a breast pump. And then I'm like, that's not happening. (laughs) So anyway, so I'm doing all right. I went to my kid's spelling bee this morning. It was very nerve wracking. How did she do? She performed well. She didn't, she did not win. She came across a word that unfortunately we had not gone over. And I was hoping that she had seen it somewhere, but she's in first grade and the word was solar which is a little tricky because it sounds like an E, but it's an A, right? And I was hoping maybe Uh, she remembered it from solar system, but came up a little short, but she was very composed, very confident on stage, made it through nine or 10 rounds of spelling. So quite proud of her. And I love that they do that kind of thing at the school because it puts, it puts high expectations on them. It's a, it's a tough ask for a seven year old. And and it it, it helps you practice to be in public on a stage, you know, yes. and, and being able to perform in, in front of a crowd. Did you do spelling bees as a kid? Yes. And I was once robbed in third grade, okay. just robbed. And I remember it to this day. I was, I was very competitive as a child and I, I think like a little more chill now, but as a child, very competitive. And I was set to win my third grade class spelling bee. And my teacher mispronounced a word. And I. Oh, that is not your fault. It's I terrible. got it wrong and I have been mad about it ever since. It was we, the word. You know, it was we the overachievers. Word. I know. We, we overachievers will not forget any of the little slights. I was in the seventh grade, the Knights of Columbus spelling bee, and I lost on the word barbarous, mm. which I spelled. I was thinking of the barber. Yeah, it's a tough and one. Which is funny because it's not a hard word. I, I, I inoculate. I'm like, that's easy. There's one end. There's a trick Got to that. that, you know. But man, I overthought that one. Yeah. I The one that my teacher mispronounced, the word was alarmist. Which what did she say? I would have gotten. She said alarmist. So I put an N in it thinking that I had not <laughs> known that word. Wow. So, that's a huge mispronunciation. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's yeah, fine, okay. Miss Hunter. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're over it. That's good. <laughs> Years later, I did make it to the city spelling bee. Never beyond, Ooh. never beyond that, because I, I should have studied harder. But anyway, all right, <laughs> I should have studied harder. Story anyway, of my life. Yeah. On to the news, Vic. The news, the news, the news. I came across this clip that I'm going to play for us, and it's like a, it's a couple minutes long, of. Kevin McCarthy, the newly minted Speaker of the House, uh, taking some questions from the Mm -hmm. press, taking some questions from the press, and he gets a question about how he's not going to put Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, two Democratic representatives who were formerly on the Intel Committee, on the Intel Committee. So let's listen to a little bit of Kevin McCarthy answering this question. She starts by asking, like, how can you kick folks off committees when you've got George Santos in your caucus, so. Is, is Santos on the Intel Committee? Am I, allowing shift, am I allowing Schiff to be on other committees? He's got elected by his district, so. Okay, let, let me be very clear and respectful to you. You ask me a question. When I answer it, it's the answer to your question. You don't get to determine whether I answer your question or not, okay? In all respect. Thank you. No, no. Let's answer her question. You just raised a question. I'm going to be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the Intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI, 
He came out ahead of time and says there's no intel to prove that, and he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not, and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, he said he, he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel, because it goes to the national security of America. And I will always put them first. All right. All right. He's going to move on to Swalwell next. So we'll get to that. But this is, of course, a response of sorts to the new standard that Democrats set when they had the House and removed Marjorie Taylor Greene from all committees for things that she had tweeted. Now, I'm no Green fan, but I could go back and run the tape from CNN when this happened of me saying, hey, <laughs> might want to be careful about the precedent setting here. Now, I think McCarthy, regardless of that precedent, is doing the right thing with Schiff and Swalwell for the reasons that he lists. Schiff has repeatedly used his position and the information that he knows uh, to and misrepresented it in public to get what he wants for political ends. And it's trashy. <laughs> Not that his getting kicked off the committee is going to stop him from doing the work of the American people, Mary Catherine, because I just got an email, breaking news. Well, breaking by the time you get it, it's not going to break news at the time of this recording. I got an email from Adam Schiff and he says, Victorino, I wanted you to hear it from me first. Mm. I'm running for the U.S. Senate in 2024 to protect our democracy and to build an economy that works for everyone because we're in the fight of our lives for the future of our country. If you're with me, chipping $10 right now. I, oh, sorry. I thought it was a personal email until I, you know, <laughs> that was I your really personal thought, statement. I thought it. it was personal. Now I'm beginning to think that he sent that out to a couple of people. He'll become Senator because trashiness is what gets no, you to this. And this places. is, but this is, you know, this is like the best thing that ever happens. He gets to fundraise off this now playing yes. the role of the martyr. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. McCarthy just called him out on flat out lying, trying to quash the, the Nunez, me the Nunez memo. And also he doesn't even mention it, but of the Twitter files that showed how they right. tried to quote, de-amplify or censor or ban people they didn't agree with. Yeah. Including reporters, a New York Post investigative reporter and columnist. He also remember was the guy who told us due to his position on the Intel committee that he, that they had smoking gun evidence that the Russia collusion stuff was real. Okay, well, it wasn't. We paid a lot of money for yeah. Mueller to study that for two years, and they couldn't come up with that. So that was a lie. And if you're going to use special intel for these purposes, then yeah, you should take a hike. He's going to go on and explain Swalwell as well. So let's hear that. And by the way, a lot of these reporters are probably scratching their heads being like, what is he talking about? No, yeah, none of this, is, them. None of this is true, but it, it's true, guys. Okay. Here he goes. Well, it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the Intel Committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. But you know what? Those voters elected Schiff, even though he lied. Those voters elected Swalwell, even though he lied to the American public, too. So you know what? I'll respect his voters, too, and they'll serve on committees. But they will not serve on a place that has national security reverence because integrity matters to me. That's the answer to your question. Well, I, I did not expect that from, from Kevin McCarthy. That, uh, no, he, he, that's a, he that's really, a nice answer. He really came to play. And so, I, so the, I would love to know, what, by the way, what the reporter, I think she was from PBS, what her response is to that. And when she reports on this, does she include any of this or just move yeah. right along? Well, the stuff that he is saying is true. It does have an impact on how you can do your work on the Intel Committee. Yes, having a relationship with a Chinese spy that the FBI has flagged as problematic in the past uh, can be an issue that, that can compromise you for sitting on something like Intel. That doesn't mean it compromises you for sitting on other committees, right? So he's saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna vacate all of their assignments like they That's did right. to us, but we will be careful about this one. And I like that he also tipped the hat to like, there are plenty of other Democrats who can do this job. Yeah. It doesn't have to be him. Not like they're gonna leave it empty. Yeah, these show these showboat liars, we can move on to something else. And Santos mm -hmm. among them can sit on like what whatever dinky. That's right. Santos is, is not on the Santos is not on the Intel committee. Yeah. 
So uh, for goodness sakes, I, you know, when I, my, my one stint as an intern on Capitol Hill, I worked for a congressman from my home district, Jim Saxton, back in the day um, from the Jersey Shore. You know, not exactly the most exciting committees for many of these members, but as well, yes. what was fisheries? He did fish because it's the shore. You got fisheries and then joint economic committee. But, you know, it was and maybe a couple others, but really it was the, the fisheries. Right. So, again, and, and, and McCarthy doesn't even mention uh, Swalwell's friend by name, Fang Fang. Yes. But that's who she was. She was a Chinese spy. And, you know, when all this is happening, the media is completely complicit. No, well, they're, they're just not curious about no. that. So, the, you know what? Look, this is they 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 sowed this and they are reaping it. And also, I think regardless of whether the precedent had been set, this is a healthy move for the Intel Committee to have new yeah. people doing this job because those guys have misused that position. I do. I have to say that I, I appreciate that answer from McCarthy. I think it was totally. aggressive, but not like often when we get a, when politicians get aggressive, they're also aggressively stupid and don't like corral mm-hmm. the facts. But this one was one where he was respectful of the facts and respectful of the other party and nailed these two guys who needed it. Like that's, yep. that's what went you, down there. So I appreciate you, it. You could tell that he was getting worked up because his voice was getting kind of high. Notice this was getting kind of high, but no, all I do is I think about Adam Schiff going on the late night talk show circuit, getting the softball questions, yes. talking about, you know, he, he's like this American hero doing the work, you know, to stop, to save democracy and to stop, you know, tyranny yes, and things like that. And without any acknowledgement of anything that McCarthy or we just mentioned, it drives me nuts. They'll continue. I think the media just lets them continue to get up. They'll continue their narrative. They're just going to ignore any of this because it's so complicated. Let's not cover it. Yeah. Can't, can't get into say. that. Um, can't cover it. It's too complicated. Here's a little bit, by the way, of uh, since you said protecting democracy of Ilhan Omar, who predictably no. thinks that any limitation to her serving on committees amounts to a threat to democracy. Let's, let's hear a little bit of her. In modern American history, the punishment of stripping a member of Congress of their committee assignments has been reserved for only the most egregious wrongdoings. Those convicted or indicted on corruption, those who have engaged in bribery, sexual misconduct, encouraged violence, or other grave charges. I have served on the Foreign, on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Education and Labor Committee for the past two terms committees that I have lived experience and expertise in. As a child who survived war, lived in a refugee camp, I would have never imagined that I would one day have the opportunity to serve on a subcommittee on Africa, global health, and global human rights. I would not have believed that I would one day not just serve as the first African-born member of Congress, but on a committee that oversees policies towards the continent. Kevin McCarthy's purely partisan move to strip us from our committee is not only a political stunt, but also a blow to the integrity of our democratic institution and threat to our national security. We are thankful to leader Jefferies and House Democrats and even some courageous Republicans for standing with us. If McCarthy wants to denigrate the integrity of the House and its committees, we will always stand up to these efforts. She says it's a, a threat, threat to democracy, as are all things when Democrats don't get their way. That's the, that's the yes. overarching talking point. Even when, you're removing a th- even when you're removing a threat to democracy, it's a threat to democracy. Well, obviously, obviously. Shall we talk about Fairfax and its problem with merit scholars. A lot of people have been asking because this is something that I would generally be talking about, but because I was very pregnant and then waiting for the baby and then having this baby, I haven't gotten into it yet, but it's a story that is ongoing. It started when Asra Nomani, who is a, a reporter and an activist and a mom in the Fairfax County system, which I, I, I'm always at pains to point out, used to be recognized pretty universally as one of the better districts in the country, right? It's why people went. 
moved out to yes. Virginia yes. because of the schools, so particularly can, Fairfax. So they could go to school in Fairfax yeah. County. Okay. So she reported in the City Journal in December, late December, the war on merit takes a bizarre turn. She found out from another mom at Thomas Jefferson High School, which is a math, a math and science yeah. a magnet school, which, by the way, is in federal court right now, again, partly because of Asura Nomani, is in federal court right now defending its change to ad- admission standards, which they changed consciously and admittedly to change the racial makeup of the school because it's 70% Asian, right? That's right. Based on the the standardized tests that they do to get in. And it's okay to to discriminate against Asians. They're not really going to put up a fight or complain about it, except for now we are. Yes. So so parents have been fighting that. That's in federal court. So just to give you some background on, on the goings on at TJ. So this is her reporting. An intrepid Thomas Jefferson parent, Shauna Yashar, a lawyer, uncovered the withholding of National Merit Awards. Since starting as a freshman at the school in September 2019, her son, who is part Arab American, studied statistical analysis, literature reviews, and college-level science late into the night. This workload was necessary to keep him up to speed with the advanced studies at TJ, which U.S. News & World Report ranks as America's top school. Top school in the nation! However... When he turned out to be a National Merit Scholarship commended student, which is sort of the top 3% nationwide who take the PSAT and perform well on it, about 50,000 students across the nation get this distinction. The principal and the, there's another, director of student services did not notify him of this award. They didn't notify him of this award and certainly not in time to put it on college applications, which is, of course, what you would want to do. Mm. Further study found that at least 1,200 students over the principal's tenure of five years had had their national merit honors kept secret from them. And Nomani herself learned two years after the fact that the national merit had recognized her son, a graduate of 2021, as a committed student in September 2020. But the principal, who lobbied that fall to nix the school's merit-based admission test to increase diversity, never told us about it. In, a, in an investigation, well, the, the, the state has started an investigation and now three districts are saying, oops, we did this too, <laughs> keeping these from these kids, which obviously changes the trajectory of, can potentially change the trajectory of where they're That's applying, right. where they're accepted. All of these, all this hard work and all these rec- recognitions add up to get you into competitive colleges, which is what these kids are attempting to do. And that's why they took the PSAT and that's why they work hard. But these were withheld from them. What do you think, Vic? It's so it's it's not just at first it was like, oh, this one school, well, you know, TJ Thomas Jefferson, they've been getting in trouble lately and they've had a change in leadership with the school board. So that I mean and, and, and the leadership there, that's a good thing. But you know, we should look into that. But it's more of a specific thing. Now we know it's at least 17 school divisions spread across Fairfax, Loudoun, and Prince William counties. And then the big question, the question isn't how, right? I mean, they decide to suppress these things, but the question is why. So yes. what do they say, Mary Catherine? They so, say it's human error? Well, so that's, what they, that's what they say now. However, Nomani reported in December in a call with Yashar, the head of, head of students, admitted that the decision to withhold the information from parents and inform the students in a low-key way was intentional. Quote, we want to recognize students for who they are as individuals, not focus on their achievements, he told her, claiming that he and the principal didn't want to hurt the feelings of students who didn't get the award. Now, there is certainly evidence for this ideological push for equitable outcomes and to obscure merit-based recognitions in order to get to equitable outcomes. That's part of the philosophy of why they changed admission standards. That's part of the philosophy behind these consultants that they hired mm-hmm. in Fairfax for up to like, I think about 500K to teach them about how to get equitable outcomes. It's in line with the philosophy that led them to yeah. nix zeros. Nobody gets zeros anymore. You get 50% just for showing up. You can always, if you get a bad test grade, you can come back and make up it, bring it up. Yeah. You're great by correcting the questions you got wrong. So in fact, everybody gets an A. And yet, if you can, in the aftermath, after he told her this on the call, of course, everyone uniformly is like, oh, this clerical, administrative, operational error. We, mm-hmm. we definitely want to own that, except we're not really owning that. 
<laughs> they feel. I mean, they're, they're 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 you know they're being tugged in two different directions. One, they want to be proudly like, yes, this is what we're doing to create equity, and equity is the most important thing we must achieve in order to achieve justice, right? Right. And the wor- the thing that stands in our way is merit. On the other hand, we might get in trouble for this. So why don't we just say it's whoops, we yep. just forgot, and it was just an oversight. Except at this point, now that we're finding out, it's like seventeen different school divisions. Do we think that there is communication between these different schools about a coordinated effort? What do you think? I don't know about that. I think it's it's notable that these are all Northern Virginian blue areas that yeah. have a lot of employees who are motivated in this direction and by this ideology, right? Yeah. And so I just don't buy that at all these places, this is just an oversight. Now, I do think it's strange that the National Merit Scholarship Program notifies schools and there's not other ways that they notify. Yeah, because, like not directly the student, congratulations, right, so, you get a letter from. Right. So what happens apparently is that it comes, it comes to the school and the school gets a notification that says, hey, let the students know, to, know about this mm-hmm. as soon as possible. And so they're aware that it's only come to them. So it's up to them to get it out. Of course, the, the district is leaning on this and saying, oh, the problem is we're, we're requesting the National Merit Scholarship reimagine, quote, how, how bureaucratic is this? Reimagine a multi-layered notification system <laughs> yeah. to correct well, our definitely just clerical error that happened in three or four different giant districts that all happened to be in blue Northern Virginia. Right. <laughs> so I read, I read an op-ed by Glenn Youngkin in the New York Post where he, you know, exposes this scandal and expresses his outrage. And he's pushing for, he has a bill, HB 2426. Yes. Just require yeah. that they immediately disclose these things. Yeah. And I mean, who can argue with that? It did, it made it out of committee this week. But this is the thing about all the school nonsense and all the, yes, I'm going to say it, all the woke nonsense is that they will gaslight you every time and yeah. pretend that it had nothing to do with that, even though they're saying to people that it did have something to do with it. And in this case, it's just cruel. Like these kids work hard and there's, oh, by the way, the CNN reporting just downplays National Merit Scholar commendations so much. Oh, order. right. They're, they're saying that it's not really a factor. Yeah, Everybody gets it's not it. really it's a, a you know. thing. Like, don't worry about, well, okay, you're not the one who took the PSAT reporter of this story. Yeah. Like, you're not yeah. the one who studied for this. Mm-hmm. To have that withheld from you and to not have one more bullet point on that resume when you're turning something in for highly competitive colleges, yeah. which it's another issue whether they're worth being that competitive. But you don't you don't know what's going to tip the scale in your favor. Yes. What's the factor? Because you could be completely deadlocked with some other candidate and they're trying to decide who has what. Perhaps that student identically similar to your grades and numbers and school rank and extracurricular activities. But maybe the one thing that they had that you don't was a National Merit Scholar. <laughs> commendation. I don't know. I don't know, Mary Catherine, because I was not a national merit scholar. I'm probably the only Asian who's not. You know but, what? You know, I'm a terrible test. I, yeah, I can say that. And I'm a, I'm a terrible test taker. But I still feel that aside, I still felt bad for these kids. So no, it's that's how bad it is. That's so big of you. I also feel bad for them. I just think it's wrong. It's wrong. You're working really hard. You're getting awards. And yeah. they're just like, it makes us uncomfortable to tell you about that. There's there's tales of some of them being being notified by just a teacher dropping it on their desks, very you oh. know, without any celebration, without any, any commendation in the school. I mean, this is the kind of thing when I was in school, it would be announced over the sure. intercom or at a oh, yeah. at an assembly. Yeah, yeah. I think I might. You don't have, want to celebrate because you make other people feel bad. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble some days. Someday someone's gonna come and fact check this. I think I might have been a semifinalist or a commended <laughs> student. I would have to, I would have to, I'm not going to put it on my resume or anything until I can Mm -hmm. verify this Vic, but I do have a vague memory of that happening. Anyway, this is not, this is not how you serve students. This is, this is hurting students. I do want to add, by the way, the former head of the Arlington Education Association, Ingrid Gant, she was just arrested and charged by police for embezzling more than $400,000 from AEA, the Arlington Education Association. Washington Free Beacon's Josh Christensen reported yesterday they had an independent audit done. There was a problem because Gantt, who only recently stepped down, 
she did not want to turn over like tax docs and right. records and things. And said, gee, I wonder why. And it turned out that she had been embezzling. And she also was the one responsible for keeping schools closed in Arlington for so long. And she even tried to extend the closure in January of 2022 because she claimed that kids would be dangerous super spreaders. Oh, my gosh. Northern Virginia yeah. just just killing it, man. I don't know. And by the way, all of the objections to this, I know, are characterized as, as you know, the the battle on woke, and we're all just red pilled weirdos sent by Ron DeSantis to complain about these yeah. good soldiers of 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 the educate of the public education system. Parents just want their kids to learn math and reading yeah. and science and like. Just not be, can you guys not be insane? Insane. And being taught the basic principle of study hard, do well, you can get rewarded. Insane and ineffective is a bad combo. And it will mean that at the end of all this, you will not be one of the most storied school districts in the country. I think Fairfax has very safely already fallen off of that, uh, that pedestal. And if they continue to believe they are there in spite of what they're doing, that is self-delusion. It's, it's I, not a good I, scene. They really have a problem with the merit part of National Merit Scholarship because I think merit is a real factor for them. It's and a this bad is not word. Just, it's a bad this word. Is, and it really, you know, it sounds so crazy now. I mean, you think, oh my gosh, the idea that it's bad to work hard to be rewarded for that. But that's actually happening. We, we're, we're reviewing this weekend. David Lewis Schaefer is reviewing Michael Sandel's revision to democracy and its discontents. He goes, Sandel, who's a Harvard professor, goes after merit as well because it affects the equitable outcomes. And we need to rely on the state to remedy this disparity. To your point, Vic, I want to read to you this Orwellian sentence from the new superintendent of the Fairfax County Schools. Oh, yes. She was not there during the shutdowns. Her name is Dr. Michelle Reed, but she came from a district that was shut down just Mm -hmm. as long as Fairfax because that's not a problem. So she says... Uh, when when asked a question about equal outcomes and the effort of Fairfax County Schools to get equal outcomes, she says she maintained that, quote, equal outcomes is the opportunity for each and every student to achieve their unique potential. No, no, that's not correct, because if they're equal, they're not unique. Equal opportunity oh. is the opportunity for every two student to achieve. Like they don't even know wow. what words mean anymore. No, no, they'll just change it for you. And you'll and again, they're going to make it seem like you're the one who's crazy. I mean, just yeah. batty. Equal outcomes is everyone has a unique outcome. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. We are not respecting unique it outcomes. Is, again, we used to be able to point out, you know, conservatives, you know, we used to say, you know, conservatives believe in the equality of opportunity, not the equality of outcome. And it's just, they're saying it's both. We're going to do both. The outcome and the opportunity. You get the opportunity with the equality of the outcome. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Now, Vic, you pointed out a story to me. We haven't we haven't checked in on Hunter Biden. <laughs> the oh adventures, God. the adventures of Hunter Biden in a while. Wow. The Free Beacon reports on a Hunter Biden story that came out of this document scandal from Biden. That's right. So there's some there's a there's a form that came to light where Hunter Biden claims to be spending 50000 a month on rent. This came from his laptop, but it looked as if perhaps he'd been paying rent to stay in his dad's house. And there was some confusion about that. It turns out in this Free Beacon reported story, which they ran down all the details of this, that Hunter Biden was helping the president's niece, his brother's daughter, who was in a lot of trouble and sort of has a troubled, sounds like had a a troubled life and somewhat in the style. Caroline Biden's daughter, Jim. In the, in the style of, well, Hunter Biden. She has a bit of a, a rough road of it. And she, she wants probation out in L.A., but she needs an apartment out in L.A. in order to get probation out in L.A. And the entire Biden family is basically like, Hunter, can you hook this up? And Hunter ends That's up trying right. to get a luxury apartment in L.A. on almost no notice for 50000 bucks a month in rent, I guess. It's okay. So first of all, props to Andrew Kerr. And Joe Simonson from the Washington Free Beacon for getting this information. This information, of course, we're learning this from the laptop and the exchange, the communications that were going back and forth. The $50,000 has to do actually with rent 
uh, he mentions it's rent for his office in D.C., but the form itself okay. is for an application for the apartment, ostensibly for Hunter. But as you just mentioned, Mary Catherine, it's really to help out his cousin Caroline, Jim Biden's daughter. Uh, but she has a sort of shady past. And as you know, when you apply for to, to go, you know, rent an apartment, you have to, you know, they ask you all sorts of questions. They want to know what kind of person they might let in is and in turn, and they do, I guess, background check or whatever else. And, you know, reference how much you make and things like that. So obviously she would have had difficulty because it turns out she had previously more than $100,000 on makeup using a stolen credit card. I want to ask, how is that? I know, I know makeup is expensive. I hear this from my wife. She would tell me, oh, you'll see something come up. Don't worry. I just needed to get whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, fine. But $100,000, is that possible? I mean, I could do some damage at, at Ulta, but I don't know if I could do $100,000 of damage. Wow. So there was that. What, and then can the I just other, say briefly, yeah, one, please, of the most, one of the please. most tragic things that can happen to a grown woman is to lose your makeup bag. Because the sheer amount of money oh, invested in the yeah. 17 products you use and rebuilding that is a real, like, that's like a takeout alone moment. Anyway, I don't use a stolen credit card. That. Yeah, you got to rebuild. <laughs> okay, go wow. ahead. Okay, no, so that's one tidbit. And the other tidbit, of course, is that, you know, Hunter was trying, and, and, and Joe Biden himself, they were trying to get Caroline a job out out west and one of the jobs was going to pay her $85,000 plus a guaranteed bonus stock ownership and she said it was beneath her quote I have never made this little money in my life I mean this is it really is a peek into the entitlement of the politics nepo babies and she's like a nepo niece I don't even think yes. that, does that even yeah. count it's she's like now nah, look I know I'm I'm facing these charges and I'm never going to see the inside of a jail cell because of who my family is but I want very specific probation parameters. I want to be in the city that I want to be in. I want to live in a luxury apartment and I want a job that pays almost $200,000. And if That's you can't right. get me that, minimum. if you can't give me that, I'm going to blow up your texts, which is what she was doing with Hunter <laughs> back and forth I mean, about their terrible family who's attempting yeah. to do this for her, by the way. Yeah, that's that. That's correct. So, I mean, it really is such an interesting insight. Now, I do feel kind of bad. These are in fact, private citizens. And I think that's why the media, except for us, is really staying away from this story. And I am absolutely certain, Mary Catherine, mm -hmm. that if her last name was Trump, for example, there would be zero jokes made oh, yeah, on yeah, the late yeah. night shows about her demands for criminal activity, the makeup, the $100,000. I'm sure they would make no jokes about her demands for a minimum salary. By the way, I, I noticed that the, the reason that the Beacon knows she's still in Pennsylvania and didn't make the move to LA is because she was pulled over for a DUI. In Pennsylvania. I mean, like this is like troubled, yeah. troubled stuff here. It is. What what is remarkable to me about this story that I I noticed the theme running through it is how much the Biden family is counting on Hunter to make things happen. Oh, yeah. Like they're like, oh, he's the trustworthy guy. That's the that's the message yeah. of these of all these messages from Jim Biden, from sort of like proxy messages from Joe Biden. Yeah. Is that indeed this family is like Hunter's the guy you got to go to. Well, I mean, certainly when it came to his cousin Caroline, yeah, if you read the texts and things, he's he's doing as much as he can. You know, but man, he's got his own problems. Hey, Come on. Look, he's the smartest guy Joe knows. Okay. There you go. There yeah. you go. Anyway, maybe maybe don't rely on Hunter, guys. So oh. just and I wish them both the best in any kind of treatment they may seek. All right. What was next on my sanctuary list? Oh sanctuary yes. Cities or no? Okay. Yes. I want to just play this soundbite for us real quick because I just found it so striking. We don't we've we've talked about sanctuary cities getting very mad when Florida or Texas or Arizona, the places that of course encounter the vast majority of illegal immigration coming into the country, have the nerve to send some of those immigrants to these sanctuary cities where allegedly they're very welcome. Well, here is Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, on Morning Joe, talking with Joe and Mika about exactly this issue. Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, how serious is uh, the, the crisis at the border and what, what pressures are putting on you as a mayor of New York City? Well, I believe that when I took the trip to the El Paso, you could see firsthand the impact of how it not only 
uh, harm the foundation of El Paso. But look at Chicago, Houston, Washington, New York City. This is just unfair for cities to uh, carry the weight of a national problem. We're going to open four more uh, hotels, emergency hotels. We have to open Herx. Uh, this is a major financial impact on New York City and cities across this country that are receiving a brunt of it. Chicago, Houston, Washington, New York City. I'm not sure about Houston, but Washington, New York City, Chicago, all sanctuary cities. That's right. And it is unfair. Yeah. It is unfair for cities to carry the weight of bringing in these migrants. Okay, well, Eagles Pass, Texas would like a word. Yeah. And by the way, these, these folks have said over and over again, and it's just so obvious what nonsense it is now. You are welcome here. We sanctuary means something, but now I guess we're getting a different definition because no, it, it, it means nothing. Yeah, it would. It, it was like the equivalent of Iceland saying, you know, migrants crossing over. You know, we we won't turn anybody back. You know, we're not going to cooperate with ICE. <laughs> ICE, sorry. And that is exactly what you know these big cities like New York were saying, and they were saying, you know, we're not going to cooperate with the federal government. You're illegal. You can stay here. You'll be safe. We'll take care of you because we don't expect many of you to show. But once you actually have to deliver, they're like, hey, wait a minute, this is crazy. And this is how dare these states do this to us? Can't they can't they deal with the seven to eight thousand migrants crossing daily? Well, and the answer is no, they cannot. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. That's right. Much like with large cities with a lot more resources, it is, shall we say, unfair for tiny little towns on the border to carry the weight of this i, I just no, that, it is unbelievable right. what a crock sanctuary cities turned out to be and of course remember nobody really in the media cared about you know this this crisis this migrant crisis until you know they started sending them to sanctuary cities and how dare they do that and then of course the martha's vineyard you know eight thousand crossings a day not really a story but 50 migrants in martha's vineyard humanitarian yep. disaster and yeah. weren't, uh, by the way, weren't there supposed to be charges of human trafficking brought up against DeSantis? Remember all that excitement? Yeah. Except, looking into it a lot. Strangely, yeah. strangely, when Jared Polis, Democrat governor of Colorado, moves migrants to another state, that is yes. not considered a crime. It's That's just, right. It depends on, your, <laughs> depends on your affiliation. But it's amazing to me, much like with teachers and teachers unions who didn't want to work but wanted to be called heroes, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't get the credit for doing the great thing and be in the sanctuary cities if, in fact, that means nothing. And, in fact, right. it meant nothing is what we're finding out. And I just wanted to I just wanted to point that out. Point that out. And meanwhile, Arizona has to remove the, uh, those, those cargo those oh, crates yeah. Take down in all- order to lift, lift the border, oh. let more people in. Not our problem. All right. Huh? We're going to go wrong. We're going to close on something light. I'm going to I'm going to oh, let yes. I'm going to let Vic. I'm going to let Vic enlighten us about plastic surgery trends. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my husband and I were talking about this the other day. So there's this uh, new fad. There are two new fads I want to talk about. Mm, One okay. is the use of Ozempic, which I'm going to get into. And the other is buccal fat removers, removal. Some people call it buccal fat. I've always said buccal, but I'm not sure exactly which one it is. So first, Ozempic. Ozempic is a diabetes medication. It's a shot you take once a week, and it works to trick your brain to have less appetite, I believe. It is sometimes called the skinny shot. And people are using it off-label, not for diabetes, in mm-hmm. order to lose some quick weight. And yes. so my husband and I were talking about this and whether, you know, it's like, is this good? Because ultimately, you, you for people who really do have a problem, you end up mm-hmm. being less obese and that is good for your health and good for the system. But a lot of it, of course, is, you know, Hollywood being like, let me take a shot once a week so I can lose seven pounds. And the rest of us, right, you know, right. end up getting access Some, to that as well. Somebody who's 140 who wants to drop to 120, you right. know, a woman or something like that. Okay. And the rest of us are just trying to lower our A1C numbers so that we can be just barely pre-diabetic. Well, Steve, Steve no, was yeah. telling me it can be available to the pre-diabetic. Not that you need it, Vic, but I'm just saying. I'm almost there. It, you know what? The, the story reminded me, Mary Catherine, of a drug that was originally meant to treat high blood pressure. It was called Viagra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then... But it has, that, a, it why, has a famous it, off-label use. 
It, it does. Yeah. But, you know, the, I have high blood pressure, which is why I take Viagra every day, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Seven days a week. Yeah. Sometimes a couple times a day. Sometimes a couple <laughs> times a day. For the high blood pressure, the oh, it's very funny with Ozempic. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a similar situation. And if you could get access to it, I guess this is what's going to happen. And the drug company is going to have to make more of that, which, by the way, I don't necessarily mind. It's one of the few commercials that has a catchy, you know, the catchy song for Ozempic? Hey, you know what? If that's all we need, then I'm in. I do love a jingle. I love a jingle. It is a good one. It's it's it, it, they're, they're, they they ripped it off. I'm sure they paid royalties. They ripped it off from Oh, Oh, It's Magic. Oh, that's I'm right. We've talked it. about this before. I'm yes. not going to sing it. The kids think it's funny, but they don't know. It's originally, I told them, I said, you know, instead they say, Oh, 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 Zempic instead. But it's <laughs> Oh, Oh, It's Magic by Pilot, which was remnants of the Bay City Rollers in case anyone's curious. But it was that, I remember that. I, and I used to get confused, by the way, between, I used to think it was Loving Spoonful, but that was, do you believe in magic? Yes. There was a lot of magic in the 70s, <laughs> you could imagine. Okay. And what is this other thing, the, the, the buckle fat? Okay. So this is a, well, first, first, let me tell you a little bit about Ozempic. I was like, oh, Steve, yeah. there's got to be a way that this is a deal with the devil. Like, I don't, I don't believe that it actually is. Yeah. By the way, I'd have. No free lunch, I'm, so to speak. I'm out when when you have to give yourself a shot once a week. I'm like, nope, I'll just go to Orange Theory, thank you, because that's how you have to administer this thing. So there's a New York Times story about, you know, this is the monkey paw, monkey's paw, right? Those those weight loss drugs may do a number on your face. People using drugs like Ozempic are discovering an unwanted side effect, facial aging. Now, this is this is largely because I would imagine, and this is what the reporting suggests, that when you get thinner... If you're older, you are going to look more your age or past mm -hmm. it once you lose some fat from your face because the fat in your face looks youthful. Yes. And so if you're losing, if you're dropping a bunch of weight, especially fast, yes, you're going to look a little more hollowed out and those, those areas under the eyes and in your cheeks are going to look like, oh, <laughs> what happened there? Maybe a little gaunt. Older, so older people who have a bit more weight on them look great in their older age. Mm -hmm. They're very, they're very smooth. They're like big babies. Yep. I believe it was Catherine Deneuve who once said, this might be apocryphal, who once said that you have to choose between your ass and your yep. face. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I and mean, it's you know. true, folks. It's true. But this leads me to the other trend, which is the buccal fat or the buckle fat. Young folks in Hollywood are having the fat from their cheeks and like sort of jawline removed. Mm -hmm. I'm, I sound like that because I'm making a motion. Yes, so if that you, you guys... can only see <laughs> listeners. If we had the video, you can only if you could only see. It was a great impression. Go ahead. Yeah. So basically, they want to look all cut, right? They want to yeah. have yeah. cheekbones that can impale people, and in order to do that, they have the fat removed from their faces. But mm -hmm. as I was saying, fat equals youth. That's what yeah. that is. Your big old round pumpkin head moon face that you had in your twenties. Oh, I thought is, you were talking to me just now, by the no, way. No, I was talking to both of us because we both, oh, oh, yeah. I had a very big moon face and you have that big old head. So <laughs> that's it's like right now. Yeah. <laughs> that is what youth looks like. And yes, it doesn't always come with like jagged edge uh, uh, cheekbones. Yeah. But a lot of folks in their 20s and 30s are following this trend. Both of these, by the way, are sort of TikTok trends as well. So they're oh going to get gosh. bigger. Like Leah Michelle, who is in her 30s and was the star of Glee and now is on Broadway. They have that fat removed so that. that they can look more model-esque, you know? And what's going to happen is like 10 years from now, they're going to want that fat back. And they're going to have to go yeah. to the same guy and say, hey, could you put this back in my face? It's like when we first started hearing about Botox and the idea of putting a toxin in your face for wrinkles sounded absurd. And of course, now everybody, everybody does it. And it's like you get a shrug. You know, you see commercials. Oh, you had some Botox done. I think the whole lip thing is we're, we're over that phase, that fad now about the lips. Well, there's a curve, right? There's like much. There's there, a curve. Yeah. There's a part where like they're learning the technology and it's not quite That's as right. nice looking. And then they learn the technology yes. and they master it. Yeah. You want to get in on the 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 backside of that curve. <laughs> when they know what is going to happen, particularly. And this is I, 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 I was, I was going to say, what are the long term effects of the buccal fat, buccal fat removal? I can't. There are not a lot of people, I think, who really should lose cheek fat. Yeah. You know, the only person I can think of, honestly, was the actress Susan Rattan from L.A. Law. <laughs> that was in the 80s. 
She even <laughs> referenced it in a. She, yeah. yeah, thank you. She referenced if, it in a Jimmy Craig commercial. If she's still with us, she's probably looking great in her older age because oh, yeah, that's right what now, happens. She's like a beautiful old baby. <laughs> this is what happens: is that you want that there. And no, I, it's, it's I for insane. one, it's insane. I'm thankful for my giant moon face in my 20s. I look mm-hmm. back uh, at my college graduation photos in particular, and it's just like a full circle. My face is just a full circle. <laughs> but as I have aged, you know, I got a little more cheekbone, and it's sort mm-hmm. of like it's holding its own, right? So, ladies, look, and it's it's a tricky thing because we're not supposed to judge either. But I just want to say it might it might be a bad judgment call when you're younger to do that because you're going to get the ozempic face without the weight loss that's right and then and then there's no telling when you reinsert fat assuming that's a procedure they'll do that it's going to really work out the way you want it to because you'll look at you remember kim novak poor kim novak and the plastic surgery you might look like kim novak you never know look this is what i'm saying you got to watch those curves and you got to you got to get in at the right time on these procedures And I would argue, that's right. I would argue that's that right. I don't know this 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 fat removal one doesn't seem like a great idea to me. And before I get any complaints and correction emails, I'm not saying Kim Novak had fat removal; she had plastic surgery, but right. bad plastic surgery. So just be careful. That's all I'm saying. That's all we want to tell our listeners. No, think about. And I get it. it. There's a lot of pressure out there to look a certain okay. way. You got to be careful, ladies. Be careful of that Instagram face. You know, the people going to oh, those all those filters are going to try and talk you into a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, please. And like, look, okay. do I sometimes use a filter to make my nose look like it did before I had children? Occasionally. Occasionally I do because they, one of them broke it and then it got wider. And anyway, point is. <laughs> it was a really sharing episode. Okay. Point is just, you know, let's just keep it reasonable. Let's keep it reasonable. Don't, don't do something you're going to regret later. There you go. That's really the message. One of the main, many messages of getting hammered. Before I forget, I want to mention, I had just done the Charles C.W. Cook podcast. Charles Cook of, of National Review talked about my oldie but goodie book, Vodka, and why is it that Americans still love it? Even now, it's, plus, it's sort of plateaued, but it still dominates. Okay, so check that out. As you're listening to it, it's available right now. Tune into that. And that will wrap up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. Thank you so much. Another programming note. I By the time you hear this, it'll be Megan Kelly's show yesterday, but you can go listen to her podcast and find me there with the great Bethany Mandel. We are both going to use, we're going to team up our postpartum minds to make one full mind. <laughs> like that's, that's our plan. Okay. Because we're both running on small amounts of sleep because she had a baby uh, a couple weeks before I did. So we're going to team up on that. You guys can listen to that. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can go look at pictures of the baby who I'm told is 100% steep. So he should be lifting weights any day now. Thank you for being with us. Guard your buckle fat or however you say it. Keep it on our face, ladies. All right. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. All right. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Podcast.